passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And I'm going to give it up to you, Aiden. You do a great job on being a glorified cheerleader. But the truth is that you are just trying to create a name for yourself using Rusev. Okay, fair enough. Nobody here would question your dedication to your husband. You stand by him, you support him, you're honest with him. But I gotta wonder, with all your honesty, Lana is the best, and Lana is so honest, but if she's so honest, I gotta ask, are you gonna tell him about that one night in Milwaukee? As if they don't have too much on their plates, the Kings of Combat Sports Podcast, John and Wade, they'll talk about the things they did that day, they'll analyze the work of Vince and Triple H. Rewind to SmackDown, Rewind to SmackDown, Rewind to SmackDown, Rewind to SmackDown. Welcome, everybody. It's Rewind to SmackDown. Wei Ting and John Pollock with you. How are you, Wei? Doing pretty well. How about yourself? Run into any sidewalks today? Boy, I think that you and I should just do the first 10 minutes of the show. Do you know how much of our lives we would have back? Because that's where I get the bulk of my feedback now. Mm. It's not about Raw. It's not about Liv Morgan and Brie Bella. It's not about all these shows coming up. It's like... I. I almost think at this point I could, I could fake my way through a raw review. I could just uh, not watch it, and I could just go through 40 minutes of this might have happened and see if anyone even calls me on it, and I'll just talk about observations. That could be the new podcast way. really should have been the podcast from the beginning. We've really kind of wasted our— like, Why did we do all this wrestling stuff? past nine years like, uh, going into all this wrestling stuff, yeah. Add up all those hours, and, and what what would we have done with those hours? It's frightening to think. We could probably have uh, landed on the moon by now, just the two of us. Moonwalk, Figuring even. it out. We could have. Yeah, like The Miz did today. That's right. Lots of stuff to talk about on SmackDown tonight. But tonight, tonight's edition of Rewind SmackDown, it is presented by three of the good people that help support post-wrestling. I'm talking about Neil Flanagan, Simon Todd, and Mike Cohen, who I want to mention right off the bat. Oh, any particular reason why those three? Uh, they were uh, they were three people that came to mind tonight as I was watching SmackDown, but I wanted to make mention of them because oh, okay. it, it is people like them that, uh, that help support post-wrestling, so we do want to make mention uh, every now and then of those people. So this was like a random selection? Oh, no. It was a, I had a formula. 
Oh, okay. Interesting. And it, and it derived these three that attach to tonight's episode of SmackDown. I, I put it into my algorithm, my SmackDown algorithm, and out came Neil, Simon, and Mike. Neil, Simon, Mike. Cool. Well, maybe maybe someday uh, one of your names, if you're listening to this and a member of the Post Wrestling Cafe, maybe you will even fall within this algorithm. Yes. And it's because of you people that me and Wei have the ability to be able to watch all these hours of people fighting or simulating fighting one another. And then we chat about it with you. God, if I had a real job, I wouldn't be doing this. Kidding me? I wouldn't have the time to do this. What would you like to be doing if you weren't, uh, if, if say, uh, you and I uh, declared bankruptcy tomorrow and then you had to go out and get a job and make it fun. I don't want you to just say, oh, I'd be, I do some video editing here and there. That's what everyone expects. But you're just, you're sent out into the wild way. Well, I, I, I was reading an article yesterday about um, like the top 20 jobs that will be gone by, uh, I don't know, in 20 years or 30 years or something like that. Basically, Heart surgeons. Basically the worst professions you could be a part of right now. Yeah. And I realized like everything in my life that I actually ever wanted to do probably falls within one of these jobs. Uh, obviously, you know, people know that John and I, we are, uh, we went to school for television and sure enough, broadcasters are on that list. Um, at least traditional broadcasters. I don't think it really accounts for maybe new media, which is where I think all the, uh, all, all the talent is probably moving towards, uh, at some point, at some point. But, like, as a kid, for a long, long time, I had a real affinity for just organizing things and putting things in their right places. So I thought it would be the coolest thing to be a mailman. Oh. And uh, <laughs> I guess I had somehow maybe still had some ambition, maybe in the back of my mind, of wanting to do this relatively straightforward task um, in my day-to-day. Uh, but sure enough, of course, um, if you're a mailman, I don't know if uh, your future... Uh, prospects are, are that great either. So you wanted to go work at a post office. What's your goal? I kind of achieved my, my goal, I guess. Both of them, really. A roundabout way. Yeah. Yeah, when I was in high school, I had a period in time where I, I always wanted to do uh, something in uh, in media of some sort. That was always what I, I really wanted to do from, I would say, grade 10 onwards. But there was a time period where I gave serious consideration to becoming a dentist. I was like, this, I could do this because I went one time for a, a dentist appointment and it was such a, I don't know, I just started thinking about it. I thought in my head, I could never become a doctor. I just can't do that. But a dentist, I feel like I could I could possibly do this. Uh and that's not a slight on, on dentists. I just thought for my type of uh, personality, I feel I could do this. It can't be that, that, I, co- that complicated. Come on. We each have what, uh, To become a dentist, it's, it's, a, it's a real career out there. That's a, it's not, you can't just become a dentist overnight. You can't take online courses to become a dentist. You ever used a drill? Come on. It's the same thing. Uh, it's just a tiny, you're just working with very delicate tiny things but you don't even have to be that delicate i've worked with dentists that are just like crazy they go nuts they don't they, like it's like it's about sanding and then like putting in some like cement and then you put a little ray gun on it done 150 500 all right well next time you're gonna go to the dentist why don't you cancel it and just do the work yourself and report back to us and see how it goes if i had the tools i might i'm, I'm kind of out of insurance now so I guess maybe I'll have to. Self-dental work yeah. by Wei Teng. 
So there you go. I'll do it for I, you. How about that? I'm okay. I'm definitely okay. Well, we have some news to discuss. Are you ready? Are you ready to buckle yourself in? I'm ready. Yeah. Okay. The WWE did put out a statement on Tuesday regarding Liv Morgan stating, Liv Morgan has a concussion and is going through the proper protocol under WWE's comprehensive wellness program. So with a concussion, no real estimation. It's going to be when she can pass the the impact test that they put their talent through when they have a concussion. So, I mean, she could make a recovery very quickly. She could be out and end up missing that Australia card in a week and a half. So, th- I guess that show is going to be up in the air. Mm, yeah. I, I mean, for her. The match, yeah. I mean, they won't it, cancel the show. Yeah. Certainly wouldn't be the, the end of the world if they turned that from a, a six six-person match into a, a tag team match. You know, uh, your essential players in Nikki and Ronda are still involved, so I don't think you really lose anything by, by having uh, Brie and Liv Morgan miss out on that. Yeah. Uh, internally, though, I'm curious to know if there's any discussion today about how uh, Liv Morgan was able to continue that match with the, with the knowledge that she could very well be concussed. Uh, if there's any, you know... Uh, well, what was concussed? I mean, she took that suplex... With a concussion. Yeah, um, meaning at the time they didn't know. But clearly, you know, the possibility was there. And whoever's judgment call it was to allow her to go back in there, even though obviously she wanted to. But at, at some point, you know, you have to kind of, if you're the referee, if you're whoever, if you're a ringside doctor, maybe, um, who's who should, should anybody be to blame for allowing her to continue? That was the glaring one for me. It's... You know, I know there there was focus on, on Brie, like, pulling her to the corner. It's like, you know, it's heat of the moment stuff that I think sometimes we can just overly analyze every single movement when it's, you know, something, a catastrophe happens and you you are on live television trying to think on your feet. And I think that's what Brie was in the midst of. However, once Liv Morgan is brought to the ground, it is no secret to anybody involved, to Sarah Logan, who's there carrying her, to the official, to the people at ringside, this woman has been hurt. She could be concussed. We don't know what the state is. How does she get back into the ring after that point? And that's, you're right, that's a question that remains unanswered. And it was a horrible uh, lack of judgment to let her get back into the ring for a suplex spot to set up a commercial break. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, you know, in the past, I don't think we'd, we'd bat an eye if somebody were to continue under under that condition. But I, knowing how careful they are now about uh, things like concussions, um, I'm assuming, you know, uh, the, this was another reminder to not take these issues all that lightly. I will tell you that until the end of my days following WWE, one of the most puzzling decisions that they have made and there are lots of them but one that comes to mind is that Brock Lesnar Randy Orton finish like to this day I can't believe that happened with the elbows to his head cracking his head open and that wasn't I mean that was I would consider that to be in in the modern era the kind of era where they would be quite careful about things like two years ago two years exactly right yes so um I my my assumption is that they probably expected Brock to just not <laughs> knock him unconscious and just to cut him open. Can, can you give uh, him safe elbows to cut him open? The safe ones. I'm I'm assuming that the plan was not to concuss Randy, and they trusted the UFC former UFC heavyweight champion to uh, deliver safe 
uh, elbows to the head, I guess. It was very I mean, I mean, I'm not going to play armchair legal expert here, but having gone through all the concussion lawsuit stuff that the WWE just got through, uh, it's just stunning. It's just stunning that they booked a finish like that. And uh, two years later, I'm, I'm as perplexed as I was uh, that night. Monday night's episode of Raw did horrendous. 2,350,000 viewers was the average. This is the lowest uh, in, like, forever uh, for Raw. Like, we're looking, like, back to the, like, probably 20 years that there was a lower rating than this. To put it into perspective, last year, we all talked about Raw was going to run on Christmas night. On Christmas night last year, they did 300,000 more viewers than they did on Monday night this past week. What were they up against? They were up against the Monday Night Football game, which did 12 million viewers, which was, you know, that's competition, but it's not a giant game. Like last week, to put it into perspective, uh, they did 2,660,000 viewers, so about 300,000 more. And they were up against Monday Night Football and the Emmy Awards. So there was way heavier competition last week. Um, Anyway, it just, they had... You know, 2.4 million in the first hour, and then the second and third hours had 2.2 million. So, for all the talk about this show long storyline, um, there wasn't a ton of interest at the start of the show. Like the first hour sucked, and mm-hmm. then the second and third. I mean, the the silver the silver lining, if you can even describe that, is the third hour was slightly above the the third hour was slightly higher than the second, which usually never happens. Right, but anyway. Interesting. I mean, you know, I'm trying to think what the reasons could be for the drop of this particular episode. Um, you know, you didn't have a Ronda Rousey on this one. Um, does that make that big of a difference? Uh, I wouldn't think so. And maybe this is just a one week drop. Uh, we'll see. Like next week, they've they built up next week with a Ronda Rousey match. Uh, Shawn Michaels is on the show. I don't expect to see a similar number next week. It could just be a one week blip. Uh, that they were down this much but just to like look at like this is like an all-time low number it's not even low in comparison to the year for instance it's got to be that new signature people must have been confused they must have been so upset to see hulk hogan part of that signature and just been like you know what this company (laughs) unbelievable they might not want to watch that saudi arabia show oh boy uh yes lots to come uh Clearly, the entire wrestling world listening to our show discussing that, you know, some of these WrestleMania week announcements, where are they? Well, they're they're all starting to come out now. So here is what we've got. Uh, some of the announcements, we should say. So res- the WrestleCon Super Show is going to be taking place on the Thursday night, which there are tons of shows already now scheduled for that Thursday night. WrestleCon is going to be running in New York at the New York City Hilton Midtown Hotel. And they're actually naming this after uh, Mark Hitchcock, who was a a fan that passed away over the past year. So the WrestleCon Super Show is going to be named in in his memory. And they've announced Bandito for that show, Pentagon Jr. for that show, as well as Ray Phoenix. Now, today, um, WrestleCon has added a Friday night show. Are Are you aware of the Friday night show yet, Way? No, I'm not. Tell me. It is the first ever Joey Janela's... Penis Party. That's the name of the show. WrestleCon presents Joey... Sorry, did I say Joey Janela? Yeah, yeah, you did. <laughs> Joey Ryan. Sorry. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> they, uh, it, 
it might be going uh, up against uh, uh, Joey Janela's uh, spring break, but yeah. Joey Joey Ryan has exclusivity on the the penis party. I mean, uh, it makes a bit more sense, but honestly, not that much more sense. It's just uh, ridiculous. Okay, yes, Joey Ryan's penis party. Yeah, yeah, so that'll be Friday night at eight oh five p.m. So maybe you can go from the penis party to spring break right after each other. Well, listen, we kid, but I think it's like. You, you, if you're somebody just going to a lot of these shows and often going to them blindly, um, interesting, I think, concept shows, uh, like we've seen with Joey Janela Spring Break, uh, will, will really stand out. People know? get into them. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, if you're, if you're, if you're going to WrestleMania this year and you'll be, <laughs> you're at the border, crossing the border from Canada. <laughs> <laughs> the border what, what are guard. you guys uh, attending we're going to one show this weekend we're going to joey ryan's <laughs> penis party I, I i i please film that conversation secretly if if you're one of, one of those people but i think it, it's just fun to say you know and i'm sure the crowd will be pretty fun for for the penis party yes uh we, we mentioned go would, would you want to go to that john it's on the friday night so i mean what a contrast that you could go to the WWE Hall of Fame or Joey Ryan's penis party. Oh, yeah. I don't know if they'll be crossing over too many uh, uh, audiences there. There there won't be much uh, sword crossover. No. Okay. There might be, though. Yeah, sorry. Our one dick joke of the night. Uh, previously, we announced MLW is running their show on the Thursday night. And then today, WWN Live announced that they're going to be running shows April 4th and 5th uh, from Laboom. Uh, which is a nightclub in Queens, New York, and then they will run April 6th in Brooklyn. And this is going to contain multiple brands under the WWN Live umbrella. The big ones being the first time ever in the U.S. you will have an authentic DDT show and a WXW show, the promotion out of Germany, uh, running. So you can see DDT. Um, they haven't specifically announced which shows will be at Laboom, but I'm presuming all of them will be. At Laboom, with the exception of the WWN Super Show uh, in Brooklyn. But it will also include shows from Evolve, Shimmer, Kaiju, and then their annual uh, Super Show, which is called Mercury Rising, which is just scheduled for Brooklyn. No venue has been announced. But uh, I could see DDT being uh, something people... And WXW, too. Those being two shows people will seek out. Certainly. Yeah, both of those promotions. But, I mean, for me, I'm definitely more interested in checking out DDT in particular, uh, I know one of their big stars is Don Chicodino, and how would they treat a gimmick like that? You know, just kind of your, your traditional, eh, I wouldn't even say that, probably beyond traditional, uh, overtly homosexual character. Uh, in, in, in a more, he, he might be working double duty going from DDT to Joey Ryan's penis party. I, I guess I would expect them. Yeah, he could be a very busy man that, that weekend. But I, I'm also curious to know how they would treat him because I think in Japan, um, you know, uh, certain things that that you can get away with in a in in that uh, I think society you can't get get away with it in a New York. Um, so I wonder how they would treat that. And the final uh, WrestleMania week announcement today is that Game Changer Wrestling. They had previously announced they're running three nights at the uh, White Eagle Hall, and they've announced the Thursday night they're going to do a midnight show uh, with AIW running a show at that time. Man, so that's link, awesome. I love Linking it. up with them. Yeah, yeah, like you go to one city and you can experience basically a whole world of promotions. Like people that you you, you might have heard of on, on message boards or forums or on podcasts. Uh, it seems like, again, everybody will be in town. So I, I'm looking forward to all, all of that. 
So those are some of the news items. Uh, for all of the news, you can go to postwrestling.com. And later tonight on The Double Shot, uh, Way and I, we're going to be reviewing the first episode of this season of uh, Total Divas. Way is going to be reviewing that. I've got a review of a July 15th, 1996 episode of Raw heading into our In Your House review on Friday for Rewind Away. And uh, both of us got a chance to watch this Impact feature that they put out today uh, in the hours leading up to Slammiversary back in July. So we'll spend a few minutes on that as well, looking at uh, the behind the scenes of Impact Wrestling. There's a lot of fantastic, like, short-form documentary-style uh, uh, productions that are on, on YouTube right now from all sorts of promotions, and we'll definitely kind of spend some time talking about uh, what, what, what came out this week from all, a bunch of promotions doing that. Yeah. Um, OTT, by the way, they have posted the match between Walter and Jordan Devlin from WrestleRama 2 last month, and... Uh, Benno has highly recommended everyone go out and watch this. It, uh, he says it's probably his European match of the year, and it's uh, in our update f- uh, from today. You can watch the entire, um, you know, it's close to 30 minutes in total. So you can go check that out on the subject of free content out there because everyone enjoys free stuff. Which is why you're tuning into this show uh, for our review of SmackDown, which took place from the Pepsi Center in Denver, Colorado, their second night in this venue. And we started off with the Miz's music playing, but the Miz was not in the ring. Our truth was with the red-headed Carmella. Yeah, it was red. It wasn't, you know, Becky Lynch fire red, but more of a kind of like a, a scarlet red. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Different look. Look yeah. good on her. Yeah, for sure. Ba- more babyface-like, I guess. Uh, I guess so. Yeah. They're chanting for our truth and he announces, this is, uh, this is truth TV. Not to be con- confused with uh, True TV. Oh, that's right. Yes. 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 Truth called himself the Andy Richards to my Conan the Barbarian. <laughs> and the, I, I laughed out loud at called, that line. Called Carmella that. Yes. He yeah. said he is the Andy Richards to Carmella's Conan the Barbarian. No, no, no. He's Conan the Barbarian. She's Andy Richards. Oh, the Andy Richards to my Conan the Barbarian. I actually had that properly written in my notes i'm just a an idiot well you are the andy richards to my conan the barbarian i guess (laughs) he starts plugging the miz and brian having their match in australia and the winner getting the title match and daniel bryan is their guest so brian comes out he's seated r-truth puts on his reading glasses and asks brian about whether or not he has uh he's gone through he's he's feeling cathartic and he mentions the last time he was able to foil Mrs. Plans with the other Carmella. And he thanks Carmella for dyeing her hair because she was confusing. He was confusing her with the other Carmella, that being Maurice. This was all R-Truth's delivery as I just uh, <laughs> mangle all of his, uh, his jokes here. I mean, it's very tough to recap, but like everything he was doing was hitting with this crowd. Like yes. we're really cracking up at, at, at this R-Truth stuff. Our truth was fantastic during this segment. They did seven-second dance breaks to break up the interview. Brian called this infinitely better than Ms. TV. And Brian then goes on to do a serious promo, and he ends it by bringing it back, saying, yes, it was cathartic. And everyone popped that it was uh, he was able to come back and bring it to the original question. He is so good at pivoting from you know this otherwise really comedic segment into all of a sudden serious promo 
Um, and I, I don't know how many people can, can do it as well as Daniel Bryan. The Miz was out. Crowd is chanting Truth TV. And Truth mentioned that when he beat The Miz several weeks ago, had it been uh, for a title, he would be the new champion. But instead, he just took The Miz's talk show. Miz calls him an idiot, and Truth says, but I'm an idiot with a talk show. Miz says he will do anything in order to get to the WWE Championship, but Brian will not. He won't do what it takes to win, and that's why he lets all the people around him down. Brian's got a moral code. He won't cheat to tarnish his name. Truth tells him that he's talked for too long, and he is banded for life for speaking too long and ruining his upcoming animal segment. And Truth wants to fight him for control of the show. Miz just walks to the back furious, runs into Paige, calls us a joke, wants Truth TV canceled. And she says he's going to have to go out there and beat our truth to get the match back, to get the segment back. Do, do uh, talk show hosts still do animal segments? Oh, I, I don't know. It seems I, more like it's like a... like a like That was more like a, a Letterman John, thing. Or, yeah, like a Carson thing, like something from a previous era. Because I, I would say that was the only joke that didn't really get much of a reaction was him uh, mentioning animal segments. But maybe he'll do an animal segment in the future. Sure. Uh, I thought this was just a great start. Our truth was tremendous. Yeah, it was great. I really did enjoy this. I think it's uh, it's so refreshing to have like a, a one of your clown characters lead a talk show segment like this. You know, truth, uh, truth's jokes certainly skew younger, but I don't think they're so young that adults can't appreciate them. I mean, you know, that animal segment joke, I, I guess, was more targeted towards uh, an older generation. You know, it, it's like it, it's bordering on corny, but it, it's not like it's certainly not John Cena level corny, at least not yet. No, I think it's it's actual funny comedy on a WWE show, mm-hmm. and it's so different from the many comedic characters we get that often it's comedy that doesn't land like nine, nine out of 10 jokes from the B team that just, they don't land. And I think our truth, he's been, you know, a fun part of SmackDown for the last month. Yeah. And again, like, yeah, what a comeback from him so far, managing to connect so well with this audience, with that comedy. I personally wouldn't have pegged him as, you know, uh, somebody to have a role like this in 2018. That's for sure. I thought the Miz did really great as well too. Uh, you know, he here he was able to introduce sort of a new wrinkle in, in the feud with Daniel Bryan, suggesting that he always will have an advantage over Bryan because he's willing to cheat, he's willing to do anything to get a victory. Whereas uh, Bryan, re- it really just poses the question for Bryan about whether or not he he should start to cheat in order to compete with the Miz, or how how can he prove that you don't need to cheat in order to win. How do you feel Carmella is adapting to this role? Not just as a baby face, but also now more of a manager. Yeah, manager role that she's kind of reverted back to. She uh, so uh, fabulous truth had a match on the mixed match challenge, which we'll discuss later. But at least as far as you know, I think the overall package of the two, Carmella certainly feels like she's taken a bit of a step back. I mean, uh, she she is just kind of reverted back to that managerial role that she was probably playing when she was managing Enzo and Cass, you know, I think she's still kind of yet to find what her babyface character is, nor how, how she fits into this whole thing with, with our truth. But I think it's a start, you know, they just have to kind of figure out a, a, a bit of dynamic and a bit more of a role for Carmela to, to dig into. I think it's something that can work and she appears to be embracing it. It doesn't seem that she is kind of, um, you know, not invested in this, um, 
new role, which is a pretty dramatic departure from where she was two months ago, where she was a lot of the show was built around her as women's champion. It's kind of difficult, I think, for a lot of, you know, people who are naturally uh, heels, because like when you're a heel, you can be such a bigger personality. But I think often you go back to being a baby face and people don't really people feel like that's, you know, that means letting go of your personality when um, I feel like uh, she certainly has the talent, I think, to, you know, be able to 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 be a strong baby face with a big personality. But I think she still has to figure that out. R-Truth took on Miz for control of the talk show segment. Daniel Bryan sat in on commentary. Carmella was moonwalking across the apron. And then Miz got run into a barricade. And then Miz takes over and hits the yes kicks. And Daniel Bryan just buries these kicks, saying he doesn't even get his leg or doesn't even get his hip over. And thus they generate such little power. I've missed Brian on commentary so much. Man, this dude is so good. Like he does and that. he and he listened to every he was not only listening to what uh, what Graves was constantly saying, what Phillips was bringing up, but he's watching the match. And then there was a point where Graves tried to contradict Brian by saying Miz hasn't cheated once in this match, and Brian just laughs him off. He's like, "Yeah, like when he just had his throat draped on the apron and Man, Brian was great here on commentary. Yeah, like clearly watching the match better, doing a better job of watching it than Corey. But at the same time, he managed to save Corey's error. Uh, and I, I assume that was an error from Corey, but he managed to save it by saying, you know, Corey as a heel commentator is very co- conveniently omitting a lot of details about the Miz uh, doing things like that. But I, I, I just, he's great at not only conveying storylines, but also putting over, I think, his opponent. Uh, talks about how the Miz has been able to turn his weaknesses into strengths. He's no longer a poor wrestler now, uh, while at the same time, like kind of managing to convey that fun atmosphere until he doesn't. He he needs to turn serious again. Yeah, he brought up now. Miz is starting to use certain moves, but he still wins by the lowest common denominator of cheating. The referee gets in between them, and then Miz just puts a thumb into the eye of Truth, hits the skull crushing finale, stares at Brian, and then makes the. Uh, starts the yes sign and hits the running knee to pin R-Truth. He retains the talk show segment, which I guarantee R-Truth will be coming back with at some point. Oh, they have to. I thought this was like too big of a hit on its first go to to ignore. So absolutely, I think True TV will come back. It was an enjoyable match. You know, crowd was very invested in this. I think the storytelling was super basic, but it's very clear. It's the Miz proving his point that cheating is the way to go. Whereas Brian has to kind of, you know, question his core values to to see if that's right. I thought Brian was very entertaining in commentary. Overall, two really enjoyable segments. And they set up a cool little story for Australia that there should be an opening where Brian can win, uh, but he's got to cheat in order to do it. Mm-hmm. And whether he does it or not, they've kind of laid the groundwork for that. Um, I think, that, you know, the big they pushed the feud forward, and I thought this was a really great opening uh, for R-Truth, who I imagine they did not fathom that segment would get over as well as it did. And I think that R-Truth has certainly found something uh, for himself that I hope they don't beat down to death. Uh, but right now, that segment worked very, very well. Whoever had had the eye backstage to, you know, give Truth uh, this late into his career, this type of chance on TV with this type of character, uh, certainly I think needs to be applauded because, uh, again, I, I wouldn't have chose him out of your many, many uh, uh, talents available back there. 
uh, but it's connecting. Charlotte was taking part in a photo shoot earlier today and was attacked by Becky Lynch, who was wearing her title, the Tim Sylvia of the SmackDown Women's Division, and says no one wants to see Charlotte's face. They want to see the champ's face. And she stands on top of the fallen Charlotte and instructs the photographers to take her picture. <laughs> this photographer actually was <laughs> filming even before Becky said anything. Like, uh, this is like a photographer who was just here for Charlotte's photo shoot. All of a sudden, he gets uh, Becky interrupts, and he's still shooting away. So, um, kind of insensitive, if I if, if uh, of, of this photographer. But I bet this has happened to Esther Lynn at so many Invicta cards where one of the champions comes in and destroys one of the women during the photo shoot and then yeah. just poses. It's like, what do you do? Do you, do you get help or do you just keep shooting? This that is, is great true. footage. That is true. A good journalist, uh, a good photographer will keep shooting no matter what. So, uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. They, you know, yeah, this was good. It was a good beat down. Uh, what did you fa- feel about Becky, uh, the direction this week? Like this feel, I don't know. Last week, I, I took it more of like, like a, a heelish tone to Becky and I sense the same here that they understand she's going to be cheered when she comes out in the crowd and they're kind of just going with this, this character. Yeah. Uh, she did an interview. I forget with, with which source this week, but she it, did a few over the past week, uh, promoting some shows, but yeah. It, and she talked about it in the interview. She, she mentioned how, you know, uh, initially when, when the, when the heel character debuted, um, she was criticizing the audience for not believing in her when I think uh, she and the audience uh, knew full well that that wasn't the case. So they seem to have, you know, definitely changed uh, that direction where yeah. she's a heel, but she doesn't criticize or she doesn't um, question the audience's integrity or at least audience's support of her. She's just she's she's just out for herself. You know, and she doesn't care who she pisses off anymore. And I think that works. I think, you know, even as, as a baby face or a heel, certainly, like, she's exhibiting qualities that you wouldn't want, you know, uh, a morally abiding person to to, to exhibit. But um, it's also, again, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Like, everything she's doing here is just, like, uh, maybe maybe not, like, the, the you know, um, it's you can transition. Like, to me, this is Stone Cold before he became... Uh, like the baby face Stone Cold, like '96 like, Austin. Yeah, yeah. Like, like I think a Stone Cold that that you know maybe at that point not necessarily not necessarily designed to get audiences uh uh um uh positive reactions, but I think history proves that this is how you get the audience on your side if you're this type of character by just having somebody who doesn't care about what other people think and you know uh does what they want in order to to gain an upper hand. I, I suppose. The New Day came out, and the bar were inside the ring. The New Day respects them. Kofi acknowledges losing to Cesaro last week, and it would be silly for them not to take the bar seriously. So they came up with the Say Something Nice Challenge. Xavier Woods mentions that even though Cesaro has oddly shaped areolas and looks like a Swiss Jason Statham, they like Jason Statham's movies, so that's a good thing. Yeah, like it's not an insult at all to be called uh, Jason Statham lookalike. No, I don't think that's an insult at all. Um, Big E then said that Seamus's mohawk uh, has made him wonder about the carpet matching the drapes, which Seamus cut him off, called their jokes crappy, and they just want to fight. Yeah, I don't know how well the New, D- New Day's routine worked today. I thought it was just kind of okay. 
especially in comparison to, I think... They put all their resources into the Truth TV segment. Like, if you have to compare the two comedy segments, I mean, I certainly feel like Truth did way better. Um, but anyway. Biggie and Sheamus had a match, which Tom Phillips called a big hoss battle. Biggie hit him with this urinagi out of the corner. Cesaro is yelling for Sheamus to get into the zone. He called for the brogue kick after he took over. Biggie caught him, hit a powerbomb, and as he went for the spear through the ropes, he was caught with a knee, tried for the big ending, that was blocked, and Sheamus beat him with the brogue kick. And after, Cesaro took a selfie of the two of them. How cute. Yeah. Um, you know, in ring, I think any combination of either team always happens to deliver. I thought the match was was pretty good. Um, but I just wish the creative was a bit better. I think... Thus far, to me, the new day in this feud has come across a bit more obnoxious than likable. And, you know, the bar, as good as they are in ring, to me, on the mic, there's still just the catchphrase and not all that engaging. Paige was backstage with AJ Styles and warns him about the cost of these damn television monitors on the announcer's desk in case they get into a brawl tonight during the contract signing. Styles said he's only going out to sign something. And if he has to destroy anything, I'll destroy Joe. And Paige seemed perfectly fine with one half of the main event being rendered uh, destroyed as long as these television monitors made it through the night. The priority on SmackDown. People heal. Monitors don't. Nope. Lana knocks on Rusev's door, and Rusev says that Aiden will pay for what he did but he wants to know why he attacked him last week. And he comes out after the commercial break with Lana. Rusev said that English betrayed him and he did it on the greatest day of them all. Rusev day. And that makes him a traitor. Aiden the traitor. So out comes Aiden English on the ramp and he's looking all apologetic. And it was never, they never called attention to this, but he's wearing a happy Aiden day shirt. And he had a, a microphone flash with a Aiden day logo on that as well yeah in chicago flag colors yes yes they were as well so he's from chicago yeah so so maybe this is the new bullet club shirt uh could be he said that no one cared about him about rusev before aiden joined with him he was floundering he lacked direction and aiden saw potential in him and made him the most beloved star in wwe and they went into this very big video package showing the highlights of the two over the past year, starting in September of last year. English asks, what happened to the two of them? She happened. And he's blaming Lana for the whole mess. And they go into another video package and how things were better with just the two of them. Lana says that before English, she helped Rusev become an unstoppable force and got him a tank at WrestleMania. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the man's high career point prior. Yeah. English just does a great job being a glorified cheerleader and is trying to make a name off Rusev. English questions if Lana has been honest with Rusev all the time. The crowd is singing Lana is the best, Lana number one. And he asks if she will tell him about that one night in Milwaukee. And he drops the microphone. He leaves. The crowd starts chanting, holy shit. And then they turn into a chant of Milwaukee, which would last throughout the evening as the mystery of Milwaukee has just taken over the WWE audience. Yeah. And you have to imagine they, they had to pick a city name that like would lend itself to a, a chant, I suppose. 
Like, Toronto wouldn't really work. Milwaukee, though, has, like, <laughs> like such a funny sound <laughs> that it's just, like, it, it is a great Toledo. That night in, in uh... Toledo man. would work, too. Yeah. But, like, um, I guess some, some, some city names are, are more chantable and funny-sounding and, and great for symbols for uh, affairs than others. Milwaukee Mil- Milwaukee. Yeah, I love it. I thought this was fantastic, man. I This was the biggest promo of English's career, the one right after his heel turn. He delivered a great performance. I thought he showed a great level of poise and comfort that I hadn't seen from him before. Like, when they started chanting, Lana is the best Lana, Lana number one, there was a bit of improvisation within him where he was able to turn that chant back into the crowd before getting back to his point about Milwaukee. So I thought he was great. I thought Lana was good as well, too. It's been a while since I've I've heard her promo. Um, so it's it's nice to see her talk now and without that accent. So I, I like the story. What do you think? I think people really get into these mysteries of, you know, you have to tune in next week to find out where this progresses. And there is... Hopefully you get uh, an answer at the end of this. If you invest in watching this show, you're going to get a payoff to this storyline and the reveal. And I think often WWE doesn't do this enough of this week to week um, building to next week where uh, a question is asked one week. And hopefully if you tune in next week, you'll get the answer to it. Or God forbid, it's spread out over several weeks. So I mm-hmm. I like the, um, you know, kind of the the soap opera element to this. Yeah, certainly. Soap opera. Yeah, I feel like it's kind of been a while since we had one of these, you know, secret affair types of storylines. They can go either way. You know, you can turn it can turn into something really good or it can turn into something really bad. I would say judging by this first week and judging by the crowd's reaction, they're certainly into it. And I think I have higher hopes, more positive hopes for this one. Um, So I'm, I'm with it right now. I'm totally into it right now. Naomi's holding pads for Asuka. Hurts Naomi's hands as she remarks about her strong style. Then we had some mixed match challenge promos with Alicia and Sunil arguing as Jinder just meditated. And Bobby Lashley and Mickey James are waiting for the results from the fans of what their team name would be. Uh, Way without giving it away, do we get a team name for them on tonight's show? You do, uh, but I tuned in late to the show, so I didn't get it exactly. It sounds like it might be... Mickey Bobby, I'll I'll have to do some research in between. Okay. Rusev and Lana were backstage. Lana doesn't know what Aiden is talking about. And she was so stunned by this news that she has dropped the accent cold turkey since the last segment. It's gone. Lana or Rusev? Lana. It's been gone for a while. She only she, she only uses it when she says Rusev or Crush. Well, it it was coming out in the promo before. And it was completely uh. gone here. Yeah, I mean, I just assume that it's been gone and only like she should just drop it completely, you know. Uh, whatever. Yeah, it comes and goes. I mean, maybe that's ever... maybe maybe she lost it in Milwaukee. Oh, okay, so that that's what happened. Yeah, her accent lives there. Yeah, for sure. It has to be something tame like that, doesn't it? Yes, maybe. Maybe uh, when she links up with Aiden, they'll be known as Broken English. Ah, uh, I love it. Yes. Becky walks up and Lana tells Becky just to mind her own business. And Becky threatens to have Lana carried out just like Charlotte and comes up with a reason that she has a problem with Lana because she's technically part of this women's division and therefore a threat to her title. And Rusev asks Lana, when was the last time that we were in Milwaukee? 
with the implication that Rusev is not dismissing this threat made by Aiden English that something could have happened. And Lana is just upset that Rusev is even entertaining this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. I really like the new Becky. You know, she has such a fun, shit-disturbing attitude. Um, yeah, almost like a, yeah, like... She's a fun. bully. She's Yeah. She's a bully, but, like, she's not, like, big enough to, like, feel like a real bully. She just, like, she kind of feels like Connor, really. Like, I mean, accent, obviously, uh, uh, to compare, but I think in attitude as well. She's, like, somebody who's small but isn't afraid to talk up, you know, uh, like she's bitch. Like, she is somebody big. Do you think she could put out her own whiskey? Mm, I don't think she has that type of money. The Iconics are in the ring. Before they even get a word out, they are cut off by Naomi. And the Iconics came on commentary as Naomi and Asuka took on Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville. This was set up on WWE.com where Asuka was complimenting Naomi on her hair. Rose and Deville started mocking them. And then when Rose went to touch Naomi's hair, Asuka got furious. And Naomi challenged them to put their hair up and square up. I thought this sucked. This was... (laughs) I mean, this belonged on .com, and I, I think it should have stayed on .com. Like, a match about touching each other's hair. Well, Naomi does have nice hair. Oscar was very upset about this. This uh, You can't come up with a better reason to have a match. Hair. Touching Just, hair? Man. You know, at the end of the year, we will have a worst of show. And, man, I think I'm going to have a lot to say about the year that was for one Oscar. Naomi is tagged in. She hit a Hurricane Rana. There's a leg drop. DeVille made the save. Then DeVille is tossed to the floor, and Naomi turns around, gets hit with a kick. Asuka used a hip attack, knocking Rose off the apron. The Iconics were doing a terrible Byron Saxton impression, and Asuka and Naomi hit a double-team kick to pin DeVille. Two minutes, 27 seconds. I like the team a lot in ring of of Naomi and Asuka, who they're calling the, what is it, the, the Empress and the Glow? I think they could do a bit better. These the team name. names. Yeah. Oh. Uh, you know, but but the look I like a lot. They're they're really, I mean, neon. They're color coordinated. They kind of remind me of the Rockers a bit. I think the mer- merchandising potential is very strong. Um, you know, but the backstage skits, I feel at this point, still feel a, a bit manufactured. Like, they're still doing a lot of the... A oh, little bit. Well. <laughs> Teriyaki? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, maybe very manufactured. They're still doing a whole lot of the, you know, oh, I don't really understand your language thing. But I think I really, like, there is potential. And, and I think, like, I need to see how exactly they are becoming friends. Because I don't believe it right now. I think they will have to build that up through the matches. You know, you'll have to have one of them in trouble and then the other person kind of coming. Like, they just have to build up that relationship because I'm not really feeling it just yet. I want them to do a the day of feature like they just did on Jeff Hardy and do it on these two. I want a day of Naomi and Asuka away from the building, uh, hanging out as friends. You know, I don't doubt that they could actually, like, be good friends. It's just not really coming across on TV yet. But what what do you think they would do together? It would start with teriyaki. Then they'd go get their hair done. And then they'd go off and discover new... Uh, neon? Neon, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they'd, go, they'd go back to 1990... They'll just, like, walk around with, like, black lights, you know? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think uh, it, 
the match against the Iconics in, in Australia will be interesting because I think the reaction will be huge for the Iconics in that stadium. Uh, I'm assuming, you know, the Iconics will try to turn that crowd somehow, but it could still prove to be a difficult, you know, uh, task to be baby faces for Naomi and Asuka. Yeah, and they're probably going to beat the Australians in their hometown. Yeah. Shinsuke Nakamura took on Ty Dillinger in a non-title match. This, they explained, was set up on social media, which, having just read Shinsuke Nakamura's book, it just sounded like the most ridiculous statement. This guy, you know, in a Twitter war with somebody that led to a match. Corey Graves explained how Nakamura is uh, taking over. And that his daughter recently explained that the crack in the Liberty Bell came from the Kinshasa. Wow. Funny line. Yeah. Ty avoided the Kinshasa and landed a super kick. He goes to the top. He had a frog splash and got a two count. For whatever reason, this led the crowd to chant Mike Kyoto. There were punches in the Kyoto. The referee. Yeah. 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 Why? I don't know. Hmm. Uh, But it was definitely audible. So Ty is delivering punches in the corner. When Randy Orton appears, he shoves down Ty, throws him into the post. DQ is called, and he just continues to attack him around the the ring and hit a DDT off of the apron. And then Randy did the 10 sign, which was the funniest part of this beatdown. Nakamura is looking annoyed, and he's about to leave. He sees Ty just laying there dead. So he hit him with a Kinshasa and just rocked his head into the LED board. Yeah, yeah. It looked oh, pretty, pretty brutal. This didn't look fun at all. Ty Dillinger, what a what a shitty night for this guy. Shitty night, but I mean, I it's unusual that they would give this much focus to Ty Dillinger, even in a beatdown. I think you know if he was just RKO'd in the cameras or or he wasn't mentioned again. I mean, I think at that point, like that to me would be a usual Ty Dillinger role where he would just be a placeholder for for somebody else's storyline. But this feels like it's a Ty Dillinger storyline. The fact that it was not just Orton, but Nakamura also attacking him. Um, it, it tells me that, uh, obviously, the, the, the Randy's promo afterwards, too. But, but it tells me that Ty Dillinger is actually getting a bit of focus here. Lana's preparing for a match in the back. Rusev wished her good luck. And he says that, that he, be- sorry, that Lana asked, do you believe me? And he doesn't even know... <laughs> What was said here? Between who? Between Rusev and Lana. Which was the one that said, uh, who got annoyed here? It was Rusev that was still indecisive, right? I I, I actually don't remember. I don't think it matters. (laughs) The crowd was chanting Milwaukee in the background. That's what I took away from this. Yeah. And then my favorite interview of the night, Mike Rome said, excuse me, Randy. Why did you attack Ty Dillinger just now? Is he your next victim? It's like, no, dummy. He was my last victim. Didn't you just see? Orton says, no. That perfect 10 crap just pisses me off. And he walked away. <laughs> I thought this was hilarious. Yeah. So what? What, how, what do you think happens here? Um, none of these three have a match in Australia, do they? Does Nakamura have a match on that show? I don't think he does. I don't know. No, he doesn't. He has no program going on at the moment. Um, I don't know. I don't even know if they're sending Randy to Australia. They might not be, which if that's the case, I think he's just going to beat Ty on TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah, perhaps. I mean, I, I, I see it as a great opportunity for Ty to, uh, to elevate Ty, you know, going mm-hmm. up against. I mean, he is just such an underdog 
like he is uh, maybe the most like he is the Yoshihashi of SmackDown. And I think having giving him the chance to go up against a Randy Orton to fight back could be something that works. But I mean, we'll see how long they stick with it. It could be something that they give up on uh, maybe after this week. His heads hit the exact same spot that Yoshihashi's did. Uh, during the, yeah, today, yes. That's right. He didn't believe Kinshasa. Blood. Yeah, he didn't believe no. Becky Lynch took on Lana. The Milwaukee chants continued. Becky was trash-talking her on the floor, bringing up Milwaukee. This is going to be the most popular city. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I wonder- Can you imagine the next time they go to Milwaukee? It's like they've made this city, like, this is going to be what this city is known for among WWE fans forever. Uh, Lana hit a head kick, which was surprising. Becky just yanked her off the second turnbuckle. Beck Sploder, disarmer for the win in 249. And Aiden is showing, shaking his head backstage watching this. Kayla Braxton interviewed him and asked, what happened in Milwaukee? He's not going to say, but he's got proof. And he's going to show video evidence next week. Could be good, could be bad. Yeah, everyone's assuming it's somehow sexual. I mean, he, he hasn't even hinted at that. Yeah, maybe they just went to watch the Brewers. Yeah, maybe maybe it turns out she's not really Russian. I, I yeah. Well, I think the character <laughs> is the character not now at this point an American who grew up in Russia, which is what she is in real life. Way you've given way more context than this show has ever <laughs> given about the Lana character. They have never gone out of their way to explain where this woman is from, why she sounds one way one week and another this week. But maybe we'll find out. Maybe this is going to be a lot of a lot of layers peeled back on the Lana character. Maybe she has a last name. No. Oscar and Miz did a promo for the mixed match challenge with Oscar wearing Miz's glasses and screaming in Japanese. And Truth told Carmella that you can't outsmart him. Did this excite you? Did this make you think twice about watching the show after, or, or were you just couldn't wait? Um, the Mixed Match Challenge, you mean? Yes. Uh, didn't really help or hinder my excitement. Final segment. Paige is in the ring for the contract signing. She says, we all know how these things end. But then she just brought them out. She's like, you know, they'll they'll probably fight. They'll probably break some shit. It's going to happen. AJ's out. And then she introduces Samoa Joe, but no one comes out. Styles just assumes he's scared. He's probably going to try and attack him from behind, but I've got eyes in the back of my head. Then Joe shows up on the screen. And he mentions how as WWE superstars, they get to travel around the world and see so many different places. And tonight he finds himself at a certain place as they show AJ's mailbox that reads Styles. His, yeah. his his gimmick name is on his mailbox. What a dork. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess the Joe's s- mailbox would just say Joe. Joe. <laughs> <laughs> the Styles family. Yeah, well, I mean, what else would it be, I guess? So <laughs> the line of the year was AJ. <laughs> That's my mailbox. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
At this point, I really had a problem with AJ continuing to try to talk to the screen. And what? Would okay, be? did this not bother everyone watching this? That yeah. this was not a Skype call. This was not live. Was AJ pre-tape. continually was yelling at a clearly pre-taped video Joe has sent. It's not just that, but it's like if your family was being threatened uh, in, in this moment right now in the middle of this podcast, John. You wouldn't stick around to record. You wouldn't stick around to, to show your reaction. You would get off of this microphone and go to your nearest phone to call your wife right now. Like, I, I, felt, I felt it a little unrealistic, AJ's portrayal here. That's my mailbox. His first concern. <laughs> He's going to find out I, I subscribed to The Observer or something. Joe shows off Styles' house outside and... Styles threatens to rip out his throat. He's just got to stand there and stand there and react and keep yelling at this. Joe brings out this baby doll and threatens to go into the house. And he tells AJ, I want you to remember this feeling of fear. And it's the same feeling you're going to have when I beat you in Australia. This has always been about consequences. And you stole the title from him. And that demands consequences. And he rings the doorbell, looks into the camera and says, Daddy's home. And it cuts to black to end the show. Mm-hmm. I thought Joe was outstanding in this segment. And I really like the ending to this where it just cuts to black and you actually want to see what happens next. Um, I thought there were two instances on this show of stories that uh, kind of drive you to next week's show to get the resolution to or at least the next uh, the next step of the story. But I thought Joe was tremendous, and I thought AJ looked like a total fool. Mm-hmm, I agree. I, I thought Joe played an excellent villain here. He really does kind of feel like in his element now in 2018 doing this type of really creepy, you know. He was so creepy in this segment. Yeah, he was great. I mean, we I think we had all assumed that he was going to do this before Hell in a Cell, like go to AJ's house. It looks like they decided to just save it for, for this particular build instead. Either way, it was great uh, when it finally happened. I, uh, as mentioned, I think my my lone blemish and it, that took me out of the realism and I think um, seriousness of this segment was seeing AJ continuing to try to talk to the screen as if he was listening. It just seemed a little bit silly when you know any any uh, logical re- real person would just drop everything to run to the back to get the nearest cell phone. So anyway, which we established. AJ doesn't carry his cell phone to the ring. Yeah, so what? You run to the back and you you grab one. Yes. Anyway, I, I still I still enjoyed this final segment. I just thought Joe was great. And it was mm-hmm. kind of like this segment was built up as almost kind of like joking by page and kind of just this loose segment. AJ's out there all calm and stuff. And then it got really serious out of nowhere. Yeah. So I like that. Yeah, I liked it too. Overall, I, I enjoyed this edition of SmackDown. I thought it was pretty entertaining throughout. Uh, and some very con- compelling stories that are being built between Rusev, uh, Rusev Day. I think the Miz and Brian stuff was good. The Truth stuff was good. I thought the closing angle was good too. I'm finding more and more weeks that remember when the draft happened and we looked at how loaded SmackDown was with all the talent they've got. Mm-hmm. And I've got to say, most weeks, I think that you get the the better matches on Raw. But the better storytelling is on SmackDown because I can't tell you any of these matches are worth seeking out. Like you're looking at average to fine was typical on this show and are typical most weeks. The odd time you get a great uh, Andrade match with Daniel Bryan or AJ Styles. But 
those are pretty rare on SmackDown. They just don't have the time to have big 15, 20-minute matches. They've got a lot of condensed matches, but what they make up for is I find SmackDown a much easier show to watch from start to finish. There's a lot less that drags, even at two hours. Uh, but this this week especially, I just think like their feuds are really dialed in, and it feels like they have several weeks mapped out of where they're going and then going backwards. And I just think the storytelling is – it draws me in a lot more on SmackDown, whereas Raw, uh, I feel I'm much more critical of the stories that are going on. But you get some great matches because you've got a great roster and you've got three hours and change to fill every week. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think on SmackDown, the characters feel a bit more realistic and I think a slightly better voice than, than they do on Raw. Um, but, you know, Raw certainly does uh, often have, you know, maybe the match, uh, the better matches between the two. But it often has the worst matches between the two. And so I can't really excuse, you know, Raw uh, when uh, out of three hours you might get two good matches, but you might get four really bad matches. Um, whereas SmackDown, I feel overall is a bit more consistent. All right. Do you want to go to the Mixed Match Challenge? Yes. Let me go. Uh, just kind of go through some of these. So, yeah, second week of the Mixed Match Challenge. Again, this is the round robin. Uh, so we have one match from SmackDown Superstars, and we also have one match from Raw Superstars. The Raw match this week takes place between the aforementioned Mahalisha, Jinder Mahal, and Alicia Fox, taking on, I think, the confirmed team name of Mickey Bobby. Mickey James replacing uh, the injured Sasha Banks, who... Uh, we haven't really heard an update from, but we know that she is out for the rest of the mixed match challenge. So they're working. They, they did say for the the whole tournament she's out. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. So they're doing some type of rivalry between Alicia Fox and Sunil, fighting over who gets to let Jinder into the ring, who gets to take Jinder's hat, etc. I think it's it's a it's a more amusing story than what they've just been doing between uh, Mahal and Alicia alone. I think putting Sunil in there is is a great way to to I think. Uh, Add a bit more comedy to that dynamic. Lashley was really over here. I'll, I'll, to me, even more over than he was on Raw. Very loud Bobby Chance. Of course, they're still in Denver, Colorado for this edition of SmackDown. Uh, some early wrestling going on. But then all of a sudden, Jinder Mahal challenges Bobby uh, Lashley to a push-up contest. So they just break everything. like, Or they just stop wrestling. And they get in the middle of the ring. And they start doing push-ups. And Bobby clearly uh, can do more, can do him faster than Jinder Mahal. So Jinder gets frustrated and calls Alicia to come in to sit on his back. And then he says, you clearly can't do this and starts doing push-ups with Alicia sitting on his back. Meanwhile, Bobby calls Mickey to come and sit on his back. And Bobby does his push-ups way faster than Jinder. Um, Jinder's panicking. So Sunil sees an opportunity to come in. He stacks himself onto Alicia Fox on top of Jinder Mahal. <laughs> and the whole thing collapses. Uh, it was very funny. Very creative. Uh, at one point, Alicia... The, the figurative representation of Jinder's push last year. Putting too many bodies on his back? Well, Pre too much know. pressure on him and he uh, collapsed. I don't know how much he was carrying, though, in his matches. Alicia starts slapping... Bobby Lashley and Bobby no sells this. He tags up Mickey Jameson. And if you remember, uh, Mickey and Alicia are actually friends. They are both a part of uh, Alexa Bliss's entourage. So Mickey traditionally a heel, um, but they explain that they had to put their differences aside for this particular match, which I guess gave way to Mickey playing complete babyface here. Uh, builds up to a hot tag from Bobby Lashley. 
At this point, Sunil Singh and uh, Leo Rush go at it on the outside. Rush takes Sunil out with a jumping in Zagiri. And then Rush does his cat and mouse type stuff with Jinder. It leads Jinder back into the ring where Lashley meets him with a delayed vertical for the win. It was a really hot crowd for this match, and, and the match was fun. I thought Mahal and Alicia managed to find a pretty entertaining comedic dynamic for the team. Um, I liked the, the push-up contest bit. It was very funny. And backstage afterwards, Mahal and Alicia are in- interviewed. Alicia wants Jinder to choose between her and Sunil. And she starts freaking out. Um, basically, Mahal just says, uh, Shanti, Shanti. And Alicia says, next week, Sunil's not invited. And I find Alicia actually pretty entertaining in this context. Like it, it kind of, uh, it's kind of the same character she was doing when she was uh, doing the stuff with Noam Dar. Just kind of her freak out, uh, crazy, you know, um, all the attention on me type of thing. And I think Ginger, like you know, is a good kind of character to play off of, similar to how Noam Dar was. Maybe even slightly better than Noam Dar. Okay. Up next, we have The Fabulous Truth taking on the team of Asuka, which is The Miz and Asuka versus uh, Carmella and R-Truth. So Miz and Asuka Asuka are defending champions of the Mixed Match Challenge. And uh, I guess it's notable for this one because it's Truth, Miz, and Asuka's second matches this evening. The Truth TV chants continue from SmackDown to this program, and The Miz continues to try to shut them down. Uh, at this point, I realized we had just seen the truth and Miz have a match earlier today. Um, but this is a, a bit of a continuation of that, I suppose. There's a bit of wrestling, and then this crowd starts chanting, dance break, dance break. But they don't do it just yet. At this point, Miz attempts to poke truth in the eyes, which is a callback to the finish from earlier in the night. But this mm-hmm. time, truth blocks it with his uh, knife edge hand. So now... Truth and Carmella come in to do a dance break. Uh, and then Asuka looks at it and decides to join in. So it's the three of them doing a dance break. The crowd's going crazy. Miz sees this and tells them all to stop it. And then the crowd starts to cheer for the Miz to dance. So the Miz says, Moonwalk. I have the greatest moonwalk in the history of moonwalks. He raises his hands. He builds it up for a long time. And then he starts hopping around in slow motion like an astronaut actually walking on the moon. <laughs> that sounds hilarious. <laughs> it gets a good laugh. Um, the crowd wants Asuka. She gets a big comeback. Uh, the finish comes when Carmella super kicks the Miz, and then Asuka surprises her with an armbar transition into the Asuka lock for the win. And uh, I felt this one maybe go a little bit long. You know, I think it definitely reached its high point with the moonwalk. Um, and probably didn't need to have that much wrestling beyond that. But, you know, the chemistry within both teams in this particular instance, I think is very strong. You know, um, Fabulous Truth, I think, have something, um, even though Carmella certainly took a a bigger role in in this uh, tandem. And I'll say, like, it featured Carmella wrestling as a babyface, and, you know, despite maybe some of the usual sloppiness, I thought she did really well with her super kicks in the finish. So... It seems like they've really figured out the need for like having at least one creative comedic spot in all of these matches. We saw it with the push-ups in the first match. We saw it with the dance-off in the second match. And I think that's really part of what what has made a lot of, a lot of the more successful matches in this mixed match challenge work. The crowds are surprisingly like almost always engaged for these. 
I think the change in, in style and tone certainly plays a big part, you know. By the end of the night, like, you've seen all the serious stuff. You've seen some Joe threatening AJ Styles' family. How about some dessert in the form of a comedy match to send you home happy? So, um, judging by the crowd's reaction, it certainly seems like a better way to end the evening than, you know, your typical 205 Live match. I wonder if AJ had to come back out for a dark match after that harrowing news. Well, last week it was Charlotte that had to do it after uh, um, um, Becky attacking her. But yeah, AJ would be a bit, bit, bit of a tougher ask. All right. Well, that was a mixed match challenge. They also did tape 205 Live ahead of time prior to SmackDown. And they did Hideo Itami against Mustafa Ali, Noam Dar against Leo Rush, and I believe Brian Kendrick had a match as well. I so. really like 205 Live before NXT. Like, it makes that viewing experience so much more entertaining, I think. Like, those two shows fit, whereas I don't think a 205 Live really fits with either of these two. Like, I think the Mixed Match Challenge fits with SmackDown. Um, but to me, like, if you're watching two hours of television or even three hours with the with the Mayon Classic, those three tonally, I think, fit a lot better. Yeah, and watching 205 Live last week... Uh... It was a lot easier for me to watch it on a Wednesday and not so much the first match they had uh, of the night, but the main event with Cedric Alexander and Drew Gulak, it was a significantly better crowd having it before. And they gave them a lot of time. It sounded like they did it with Ali and Hideo Itami tonight as well, which is kind of risky when you're putting out guys for 20 minutes for a match before you're going live with SmackDown. Yeah, certainly. Um, and, you know, d- did it hurt SmackDown? No. No, no, it didn't. Yeah, so, I mean, it's... whatever fear there might have been before of, you know, killing the crowd with, like, these hot matches before SmackDown, that's obviously proven false. All right, we now segue over to forum.postwrestling.com to get everyone's feedback to the Mixed Match Challenge and SmackDown. Tonight's episode of SmackDown, on a scale of 0 to 10, I feel this one's going to hit 7. Will it go higher way? Uh, I'm going to say yes. A 7.08. I All think right. I've, I've, I've figured out this forum now. Yeah. Yeah. I've got, I've got a good read on them. Let us start with Brandon from Oshawa. It would have been nice to see all of the last 20 minutes of the show, but I don't know if it was Sportsnet or WWE, but it suddenly turned into Scramble Vision like an early 90s pay-per-view. I, I had that same problem, Matt, and I had to resort to uh, uh, now dots, like Sportsnet now on, on, the, on the internet to, to finish huh. it. You didn't oh. have that issue? I always watch it on the the streaming service, so right. I never am watching the t- the television. Por- yeah, portion. I don't, and it wasn't just Sportsnet for me. It was like a number of channels, and you know, maybe it was just affecting kind of our particular area, Brandon. Huh, that's interesting. Mm. Uh, he says, luckily, I caught the last four minutes online and loved what I saw from Joe. Him, Randy Orton, and Becky Lynch are killing it right now. I'm loving everything those three do. I even enjoyed our truth tonight. I'm not usually a fan of his shtick, but I wouldn't mind him continuing the talk show. I think they have to bring that talk show back. I'm mm-hmm. even if it was just thought of as a one-off thing tonight, that was an example of something that got over really well and and you run with it. Like that I don't think couldn't have gone any better for our truth tonight. I feel like they need to have a way to bring it back without him actually having to pin the Miz. Or I guess they could use it. I guess they could always have Brian cause Miz a victory in order to continue to heat up that match in order for Truth to win the rights to uh Truth TV back. 
My one negative about SmackDown right now is Nakamura. I don't understand how they can't have more for this guy, other than wrestling guys that are the setup for Randy Orton's next feud. I think they can get so much out of the Nakamura gimmick. I don't know what exactly, but I'm sure they can find something. He might benefit from a switch to Raw. Other than Daniel Bryan, what else is there for him if you don't turn him face? SmackDown is stacked with heels right now. Maybe pairing him with Orton. I, I could see them, you know, this whole thing is eventually... Like, it's, it's screwing up all of Nakamura's stuff, you know? All of Randy Orton's actions are kind of leaving Shinsuke Nakamura on the back burner here. That that seems like a natural feud that you get to. Because Randy Orton is not doing a lot with Ty Dillinger. I think that's a TV match at best if they don't do Australia. But, they're both, it, but they're both heels. Who, Orton and Nakamura? Yeah. I don't think that really matters. I guess I just wouldn't see where who who they would... Um, have the fans cheer for because I mean Randy Orton's whole thing is has been attacking fan favorites, and certainly Nakamura is a fan favorite, but but he is uh, somebody who is hated supposedly by the crowd right now. We also went through it last week. It's not like there's a whole lot of candidates for Randy Orton now. If uh, Daniel Bryan is going for a title program after this, um, unless he loses, you know, but yeah, he'll probably uh, win. Like, there's not a ton of baby faces. I don't want to see Nakamura go back baby face. I think that he was really floundering as a baby face. The heel turn really rejuvenated him, and he's just been, he's just not a focused character right now on SmackDown. I think you should um, team up with Nakamura and go after the Usos. They could do, you know, have an alliance between those two, yeah. something like that. I I always advocate for the idea that you can have teams that, they have an alliance with one another, but they also have their singles programs too. Yeah. That they're not just married together and are defined as a tag team. I wouldn't want Orton and Nakamura to just be a tag team, but coming together and then they're also off doing their own stuff. I, I think that that helps the tag titles. They feel way more important. And man, you bring up the Usos. I've totally forgotten about those two. And that's such yeah. a shame. Like they were just killing it last year. And it just seems this year they've, been totally lost yeah. we go to mj who says uh who has a question or a note for the double shot uh i guess we can read this afterwards can't no, let's do it now i closely monitored the wwe stock and it is inching closer to a hundred dollars every day which... yeah we should mention it closed today i want to say at like 94 dollars it's trading what? at 94.05 this is the highest it's like ever been like this this past Dude, week isn't it crazy that like on the day that their lowest rating in 20 years is announced they're they're they also hit the highest that they've hit with their stock yeah the, so clearly the stock, they, they probably don't care that much about the ratings anymore listen the thing the thing about the the numbers for for the cable numbers are first of all they've got their big deals it's not like this is some contract year but they're going to be compared with the other top cable shows mm-hmm. and if WWE is still going to be uh, they they didn't do tremendous this week, but overall they're really solid by cable standards, and those are the standards that are going to be weighed against, and not of five years ago. So, but yeah, the stock this week uh, it's hitting ninety four dollars. It's just unbelievable at how high it is. Amazing. Uh, he says, with shows like the Australia Stadium and the series of Saudi shows, it doesn't seem like it's the early summer's TV deals that are keeping the stock near triple digits. We focused on what the TV money means for the company going forward, but his this kind of mark, market cap is also game-changing. The way I see it, business couldn't be better, and we don't spend enough time commending what they've done there. Car- thoughts? 
I think with the stock, I think a, I think there's still an anticipation of, you know, they still have uh, a renewal to come with uh, their deal in India and the UK. So I think that there's people that are buying this with the idea that there's still uh, big deals to come that maybe $94. What, what is the, the high mark going to be? I think that at, in time, this stock is going to level out, but I still think that leveling out is going to be at an enormous number in comparison to where it was a year ago. I don't see this settling back down anywhere near 30 or $40, um, but staying around 95, a hundred dollars, um, you know, barring uh, news of like a sale or something like that, um, which it could, it could drive this even higher. So it's really hard to say. But li- listen, the the WWE is in a tremendous, tremendous health at the moment. Um, with these TV deals, like they are insulated from any issues affecting this company. Like they have so much guaranteed revenue every single year uh, throughout. The, the life of these deals that it would like the thing is near bulletproof at this point. Bulletproof. Interesting. Your turn. Uh, he, he also added this here about uh, he purchased tickets for the Northeast wrestling show. Uh, that is the Kenny Omega Ray Phoenix show that's happening uh, in a couple of months. And Oh yeah. He's more, he's more or less just mentioning this. Yeah. In November, Kenny Omega is doing a singles match at a uh, Northeast wrestling show in uh in New York State. Terry from Colorado. Pretty dull show tonight until the Joe promo at the end. He's killing it right now. I hope they put the belt on him. And in the sorry we have nothing for you category, Orton with Ty Dillinger. Do you guys think Joe will get a run with the title? Hmm. Well, I feel like they, they are planning on keeping it on AJ for a bit in order to break whatever records that they, they want before somebody else finally gets it. But I mean, man, I, I really do think Joe needs to kind of cement himself by by having that belt, even to prolong this AJ storyline, uh, I think the guy's just been too good right now. I hope they pulled the trigger on him like they pulled the trigger on Becky. I think it would ultimately create another major superstar on the brand. I like the idea of putting the title on Joe, uh, and I think you have to do it at the Australia show because if not, I think that's that's what three pay per views at this point. Yeah, um, you know I. I there is the possibility Styles retains it and they continue uh, with him as as champion. But I would personally like to see Joe win it and and get a, a run with the title because I think he's been great throughout this whole year on SmackDown. Me too. He's uh, Noah from Vaughn says, "Was it just me or was this a really solid show tonight? It was such an easy two hours to sit through with a bunch of highlights and notes." First off, the opening segment was excellent. R-Truth continues to impress with his run on SmackDown these past few weeks, and I thought all four participants in this segment did great. The Aiden Rusev-Lana story took a great turn tonight, and I cannot wait to see next week's follow-up. Also, Randy Orton destroying a fool never gets old. Question for you guys, have you heard anything substantive about the possibility of Mysterio facing Nakamura for the U.S. title at Crown Jewel? I saw some rumors about it a few days ago, and was wondering if it might be legit. I don't know if it's 100%. Um... It's a match that would make sense um, to get Rey Mysterio on that show. I would, th- you know, he was on the first Saudi Arabia card. So, I mean, Rey's in. I mean, he. it's just a matter of starting him up. And to me, given the fact he is so prominently featured on the video game, which is out next week, I, I was almost thinking, like, maybe he'll be back this week, if not next week, to to coincide with the video game release. But maybe they'll hold him off until after some of these big shows they have coming up with 
the Australia show and then maybe have him back in time for Saudi Arabia. So I don't know it definitively, but I I would expect him, to be honest, to be on that Saudi Arabia show now that you know he's done all his outside dates and they're just waiting to start him. Yeah, I agree. I expect him to. Jay from Colorado. I attended the show live again tonight. I'm going to make this short and sweet. The difference between Raw and SmackDown is night and day. Tonight's show just had a different atmosphere. The crowd was all in for 205 Live, and I stuck around for the Mixed Match Challenge. I don't know what it is, but it's almost like it's a completely different company. Great show tonight. 7 out of 10 for me. Interesting. Well, Do you think that it goes by faster? to Because it's around the same length you're sitting down for a SmackDown show, but you're getting... A big variety where you're going from 205 Live to SmackDown to the Mixed Match Challenge. And they're pretty distinct uh, segments of WWE between those three shows. Yeah, I think that has probably a big part to do with it. I mean, I also think you're just probably getting a higher quality show. Like, you're not getting a lot of long matches that are just filled with chin locks, I think. You know, between the combination of those three things that we just mentioned on Tuesdays. Whereas on Raw... I mean, I don't know who they've got on main event these days, um, but I can't imagine it being as good as what you might see on a 205 Live. And I can't imagine um, a lot of the um, long nothing matches in the middle of Raw being as good as or as fun as what you see on the Mixed Match Challenge. So I think it's a combination of all of that. Um, certainly the visual aesthetic differences might help a little bit, but I overall just think it's it's a higher quality of wrestling and TV product that you probably get on Tuesdays. All right, final one. Finally, Jalen from Pickering. What a huge first match of the show. A former NWA champ versus a former WWE champ. I got to give props to everyone involved in that opening segment and match. Truth TV made me laugh. Miz continues to do what he does best, and Daniel Bryan was great on commentary through his words and also his actions. I don't think he took his eyes off of the Miz at all. The show as a whole was thoroughly enjoyable, and Becky, Joe, and Orton continued to be standouts. Question, I know it's far away, but Miz versus Brian for the title at Mania has to happen, right? Miz versus Brian for the title? Mm, I don't know about that. Um, Yeah, I don't know if I see Daniel Bryan carrying the title into WrestleMania. Um, I I feel like they might have exhausted that one through the summer before getting to it at, at Mania. I feel like they'll probably get a fresher matchup with somebody else. Yeah, on the SmackDown side, to be honest, I can see them really trying to heat up Andrade. Like, I think he could be a really big heel for them come WrestleMania time. I think it depends on how he'll click, how he and Zelina will click with the audience before WrestleMania. It's hard for me to imagine that he'll get to that level, like title level before then. But, you know, it could yeah. happen. It is very heel heavy on SmackDown. Yeah. Uh, before we go, I forgot to uh, read this during the news, but we did get the Long Beach card way. Yes, that's right. for Sunday. Yes. yes that's right. So let's quickly run through it. This literally came out minutes before we finished Rewind a Raw and then saw it as soon as we finished the show. So here it is. The full card uh, starting from the bottom. Uh, Rapongi 3K and Rocky Romero taking on Jushin Thunder Liger, ACH and Ryusuke Taguchi. The Addiction. Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian taking on Hangman Page and Chase Owens. Six man match with the best friends and Hiroki Goto against Flip Gordon, Jeff Cobb and Chris Sabin. Killer Elite Squad and Zack Sabre Jr. versus Tetsuya Naito, Evil, and Sonata. Tag match with Hiroshi Tanahashi and Kushida against Jay White and Gato. Will Ospreay versus Marty Skrull in the Junior Heavyweight Title Tournament. Young Bucks versus Gorillas of Destiny for the tag titles. Juice Robinson versus Cody for the U.S. title. And the main event, the Golden Lovers, Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi against Kazuchika Okada and Tomohiro Ishii. 
What do you think of the lineup? I mean, I'm a fan of almost everybody on this card. So I, as a show, I'm looking forward to it. You know how much I think storyline implication there 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 is going to to come out of this. Maybe it might be another story. You know, like the biggest I think title match. I the biggest title match on the show. Yes, is you know what I would say the Bucks versus uh, God is probably the biggest title match. I'd, I'd rank that even above Juice and Cody. Um, hmm. mm, you know, I I think it's a good looking card to me. Like if I, I think this be- is going to be a very good show. Yeah. I don't know how much the um, anticipation is for this show, but I think. You're going to get a great three and a half hour show. That that main event's going to be outstanding. I think Robinson and Cody. Um, I think the crowd's going to be pretty hot for that match and will help it a lot. Uh, Osprey and Skrull should be really great. Um, I'm even curious seeing like Jay White and Ghetto together. Um, yeah, coming off that angle last week, how they, you know, it really seems like they're going to go to Tanahashi and Jay White um, before First. Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, for the brief. I'm, yeah, I'm not a big fan of that because I don't think either guy should be losing right now. Like, Jay White is getting ready for a huge match at the Tokyo Dome, and Tanahashi yeah. should definitely not be losing. So what do you do? You just keep, like, you just have him go on winning streaks for, throughout the whole whole thing? Have Okada go on winning streaks, too? Like, I think somebody has to lose, right? And and they can have Jay White lose in a way that'll still protect him. Mm, I don't know. I just think the timing, this is his first match since aligning with Gato. Right. First singles match. That mm. I mean, if it's done creatively... Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you can do it, right? Yeah, I yeah. just think he he is the priority right now as establishing him as one of, if not the top heel at the moment in New Japan. And I just don't know if losing your immediate match uh, is the best way to go uh, with him. But okay. maybe they have a great idea mapped out. I will say I was a little surprised they're not doing Evil and Zack Saber Jr. on this show, which makes me think that's going to happen at King of Pro Wrestling. So if there is a Jericho Evil match. I would imagine that's not happening to at least power struggle. Yeah, or even later, perhaps. Uh, but yeah, probably then. Uh, it. I'm. I'm. I'm looking forward to the show. You know, is it? Is it a must see show? If you're, I don't think it's a must must see show. If you're like a Japanese New Japan fan, I think if you're a North American New Japan fan, I think there's always some intrigue to seeing like all these guys in front of an American crowd. Omega uh, and Okada in the ring together. That's a yeah. that's still a big deal, I think. I think, yeah, totally. So I, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to the whole show. Uh, you know, is it a a show as big as you know a Dominion? No, not at all. But I think it I think it'll be good. I think it will will as well. So uh, we will have a review of that uh, Sunday night. I'm going to be joined by Mike Murray, who uh, has mentioned to me he's going to be watching the Ring of Honor pay per view Friday. So we may spend a, a little bit of time quickly sharing our thoughts on the ROH pay-per-view as well on Sunday. So you can tune in for that big review of New Japan's Fighting Spirit Unleashed card that will be airing on New Japan World. Uh, in addition, we will be back. Well, Wayne and I will not be back, but Brayden and Davey will have Up Next and Forever Young coming out Thursday. Uh, rewind away on Friday with a review of In Your House International Incident. And then we have Eggshells uh, dropping on the site on Saturday with Chris Charlton and Jonathan Snowden chatting the year 2003. So lots of shows to go check out. You can do so at postwrestling.com. And for those that are members of the Post Wrestling Cafe, you can head on over because the cafe is open as we speak with the double shot. Yeah, go check it out. It's a, it's a, a quintuple shot today. Wow. Lots, lots to consume. Uh, that is where we are heading now. Uh, goodbye. We will speak with you in a few minutes. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.